This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. What's up, y'all? I want to welcome you back to the Hunt Stand Podcast, Season 2, and this is your host, Will Cooper. The Hunt Stand Podcast is your weekly source for insightful conversations with veteran hunters, dedicated outdoor enthusiasts, and top industry personnel. I'm going to have guests on here who are true experts in the field, delving into the captivating world of our industry and the great outdoors. With each episode, you, the listener, are going to be able to receive invaluable knowledge, tips, and guidance on how to enhance your skills in the wild and even in life. So tune in weekly to be entertained, informed, and driven to reach new heights. So what does that mean? That means you need to make sure that you do whatever you got to do to make sure that you get notifications weekly whenever I put a new hunt stand podcast up because you're not going to want to miss out on the guests and people that I bring on here to bring all this to you. The Hunt Stand Podcast is brought to you by Yamaha and its full line of class-defining, adventure-seeking motorcycles, ATVs, and side-by-side vehicles. The Hunt Stand Podcast is also brought to you by Springfield Armory and their Model 2020 Waypoint Rifles. Hunt Stand Podcast, Season 2, buckle up, it's going to be a good ride. Let's go. What's up, y'all? It's your host, Will, coming back for a new episode of Hunt Stand Podcast. We're going to take a quick break from the Wildest Hunt Stories series that we're doing right now to bring out some predator hunting tips and tactics. You know, it's that time of year that, you know, we're kind of in that lull. We really don't know what to do with ourselves between, you know, it's the end of deer season, turkey season's around the corner, and I like to fill this time of year chasing after coyotes, bobcats, fox, predators. It's, it's just a good time to go get out in the woods, go hunting, and try to do your part to manage the predator population on your ranch piece of property land public land wherever you're hunting and so 
We're going to be getting Mr. Mark Kaiser on here today to kind of pick his brains, to pull some golden nuggets from him, and kind of get some tips and tactics on how he likes to go after coyotes from the basic gear that you need if you've never done this before, and just kind of some general things to know and to get started if you've never done this, as well as, you know, some more in-depth, detailed topics. And so we go down a couple rabbit holes, but I'm going to let Mark talk about that. But we just want to thank all y'all for tuning in on the Stand Podcast. You got lots of different options out there, so we just want to say thank you for tuning in. And if you haven't yet, make sure you download the Hunt Stand app. We've got a free version, we've got the Pro, and then new this past fall in 2022, we got the Pro Whitetail version. So if you want to unlock all the features of Hunt Stand, upgrade to Pro Whitetail today. So I'm gonna quit rambling. Here's our man Mark Kaiser, and thanks for tuning in to the Hunt Stand podcast. Well, Mark, you ready to get this thing rolling? I am. Well, sweet. Well, Mark, want to welcome you back to the Hunt Stand Podcast. Last time we talked, we talked uh, some elk hunting tips and tactics. And so it's a new year. It's a different time of year. And so we're going to be talking coyote hunting, man. So welcome back. I appreciate being back, Will. And uh, coyote hunting and hunt stand, they go hand in hand, so to speak. It's always in your hand. (laughs) (laughs) No pun intended. No pun intended. But it's always, I mean, it's just a great tool and partner to always be looking ahead into country scouting new country whether i'm sitting at home like right now you know i can be uh i can be wasting time not wanting to work like i am most days <laughs> <laughs> looking ahead to that next stand yep yep well man uh i want to do just a quick reintroduction since the last time we talked to you was elk season so you know i like to do that 30 foot or thirty thousand foot view of who you are so it doesn't matter just kind of give listeners that quick uh quick little uh spiel about mark you know who you are where you're from and how you got to where you are in life (laughs) um i'm mark kaiser i'm just an average joe i tell everybody that i grew up in eastern south dakota in corn country so that's where i cut all my hunting teeth whether it was coyotes which were tough back then they were just kind of starting to come into that area Mm -hmm. and uh white tails and then my family owned some land in the Black Hills of South Dakota, and I just got immersed in the West. I loved being in the Black Hills and uh, running around, on, whether I was hiking or on horses or whatnot, looking uh, looking over elk country. Yep. And, and it just kept dragging me further and further West from Eastern South Dakota to uh, I spent about 20 years in Central South Dakota and then made the big jump. And I live in Wyoming now, uh, right at the to the Bighorn Mountains. And my family didn't really even hunt. My grandpa did and my uncle did, but my dad didn't. Mm -hmm. But my mom and dad always took us camping. And I spent a lot of time with my grandpa. uh, And even though he couldn't get around as good when I was hanging out with him, he'd still take me pheasant hunting and such. And I could see the antlers and stuff in his house and, you know, pronghorn mounts he had and elk and whatnot. And it it just, uh, it burned within me. And my, like I said, my dad really never had that. And he took me hunting, you know, set, set the, set the table for me, so to speak, but he just was, he didn't have that passion. He was a businessman. Uh, no. uh, he sold, sold farm tractors, skidded through life on my own, started hunting on my own, basically self-taught my self, self-taught myself everything about hunting for the most part, read what I could and, uh, started freelancing, doing some TV shows while I was doing writing. And, uh, here I am, uh, over 30 some years later, still in the business and uh, still surviving, still loving the outdoors. Sweet. Can't complain about that. Can you? No, no, I can't. Well, heck yeah, man. 
Well, for this podcast, let's talk coyote hunting. Let, All right. Let's let's dig into it, man. And so, I think there's a lot of listeners out there that they they've done it. They may just kind of have done it sporadically with friends, or might be somebody new out there that's really wanting to get into it. So, I want to talk to kind of a different wide variety of people, if you will. And so, I guess the first thing I have to ask is, you know, what are some key considerations when it comes to coyote hunting or if you want to get into it, what are some things to think about before you start buying, doing, and just going haywire with it? One of the things I I think people should just look at first is why you want to do it. And the first big reason is it's fun. The second reason maybe, and this is kind of dying off because well, fur prices are just not what they used to be. Yeah. They did make some jumps here recently, and like in the last decade, they're they're just not at, at high uh, high numbers right now. So coyote hunting, you know, for the fur value, not quite what it used to be. The third reason, though, I think a lot of people want to look at coyote hunting, uh, predator hunting, but coyote hunting in particular, is the fact that it it helps with wildlife management. Mm. You're you're providing a little bit of assistance to some of the game animals on your property the more coyotes you remove or red fox or raccoons or whatever it helps boost all those lesser or the prey wildlife species everything from quail all the way up to uh white tails coyotes are huge predators on fawns yeah their main their main period is may into july that's when they they just target fawns in fact 70 80 percent of coyotes and when you look at the research they just dump everything to kill fawns then so you're never going to be able to control coyotes they're you know they're like cockroaches they mm-hmm. they just survive everything they'll survive a nuclear war uh, they're like a rat you know those type of species but you know one or two or three coyotes you can remove off your property uh, especially maybe even right before the um, fawning season that could be a good thing so whether you do it coyote hunting or trapping, that type of management, that predator management, it's all part of the big management scheme. So that's, for me, I look at the fun and I look at the the management, helping wildlife management. Nowadays, you know, it's price of fuel. <laughs> it's going to be hard to get your money back yeah. on killing a coyote or two over a weekend. Some people that are in coyote rich areas, you know, they can fill a pickup truck yet, but those areas aren't, I mean, I don't have that even in my backyard here. You'd think in Wyoming. Uh, it's hard to kill coyotes. They're, they're crafty, they're smart, but it's still a lot of fun. Yeah, they, they definitely are. So, you know, what are, what equipment do most coyote hunters need? So let's talk to that guy or gal that's wanting to get into it. They may not know what to do. So what do they need in their arsenal, their gear pack, their toolkit to go after these boogers? So if you're starting out, it's real simple. If you've got a whitetail equipment, just use your whitetail equipment. Again, mm. if you're shooting them with a 243, a 22250, or a seven millimeter Remington Magnum, they're still not worth that much. So yeah. you know you got you got to look at it this way. I'm going out there trying to kill that coyote. I want to have some fun. Maybe save a fawn in the spring. Don't really worry about what you're shooting. So you can use your deer rifle. Your deer scope, most guys have a variable scope on their rifle, you know, a, a three to nine, a four to 12. Uh, I, I try to work in that range of four to six or four to 18, even up into the 20s mm-hmm. uh, if you get a long shot on a coyote. But 
and then a binocular is handy. And you can start out cheap by just using hand calls. Now, everyone's going to want to buy an electronic collar. That's just, you know, it's just the rage. And you should probably have an electronic collar. It's easier. But you don't necessarily have, <laughs> but you shouldn't, you don't have necessarily jump into it because that's, you know, say you got your deer rifle bought, you got a binocular, you probably got your camel, you know, depending on what brand you want to go with, that, the cost of that. We don't have to talk about brands that cost a lot and some brands that don't cost so much, but, uh, but it's that collar that probably would really set you back quite a bit, you know, if you wanted to get started. You can spend 20, 30 bucks and get a couple different hand calls and easily be in the calling game. And then if it's something, you know, this is exciting. I love it. I'm going to, you know, set aside 200, 400, 800 bucks for an electronic collar in the next year or two. That's what I do. But uh, think of your whitetail gear, buy a few hand calls, maybe to get going. And then think about the electronic collar. If this is a bug that really hits you. And, it, and I think it will. most people that get into it first time you have a coyote come across the field, sneak along the edge of a hedgerow or something, and you get a shot at him, get, get that first coyote. Pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah. There, I love nothing more than, you know, you're kind of in that lull between deer season, turkey season, and it just kind of fills that void and you just go out there and you, throw a collar or if you got your hand calls and you're just sitting there all of a sudden coyote pops up and it's it's pretty exciting so it, it is it, uh the the first time i really had it work for me uh it was just i watched a coyote come from a long, long ways out through across a big snowy valley mm -hmm. got to within 75 yards of me and i was using a hand call uh my grandma had oh maybe i had a 22 250 then it was either 243 or 22 250 but my grandma gave me a 243 and I used that for a while, but, um, that was cool. And I, I was hooked and I'm, you know, that was 25, 30 years ago. I don't even know. Wow. It was quite a, a few years ago. Okay. So we've talked about, you know, you figure out your why we've talked about, you know, just kind of the bare, bare essentials you need in terms of gear. You know, obviously you can go haywire, you can go nuts with it, get all the expensive, fancy things that you need for it. So we got the why, we got the gear. Now let's talk about the how. You know, when Mark goes out there and you're approaching field of view or whatever you're going to be doing, where you're going to be hunting, how do you like to approach that first sit? Uh, I'm I'm a real early morning person. I get up super early, so on my first sit of the day, I go in in the dark. Now where I hunt, it's big open country. For the most part, I, I've got some timbered, forested areas I hunt, but most of the stuff I'm covering, I'm cutting across open country. So I use darkness to get way deep in, mm -hmm. right into the middle of a, a, you know an area I believe coyotes are going to be set up, and then I wait 10, 15 minutes for that first light when I can start to see good enough because coyotes you're going to be so surprised at how they can sneak in on you. It's just yeah. uh they're just ghosts. I mean, some will charge in those young ones early on. They'll charge in. When you get on a two-year-old or older coyote or even a coyote of the year that's been hunted a little bit, they're they're super savvy. So I, I always wait so I can uh, see enough with daylight, but not too much because I, I still think that dim light gives coyotes confidence. It boosts their, I'm going to go see what's going on here. I, you know, I, it's not 
bright daylight yet. I can be out in the open running around. So, uh, that's my, that's my first, uh, my first goal, get in there in the dark on that first set. And, uh, and before I even do that, I picked out a spot. Now I've either been there or I've looked at it on my, um, uh, hunt stand hunting app and I'm looking for an area that gives me great vantage so I can see all the way around me. And the biggest thing you want to see, and, and this sounds like reverse and, and it kind of is, but you want to see that downwind, either have it in a crosswind or even over your shoulder, you know, either way, but you want to look a little bit downwind because those coyotes are always going to circle down. Now, for years, I'd go straight into the wind and set up and, and I hunt alone a lot and I have coyotes come in behind me a lot. I'd go back and there'd be tracks there. Uh, my dog, I bring a dog a lot just cause I like dogs. Uh, but my dog, he would, uh, he would actually go back there and he'd get on the track of a coyote that had come in behind us. And we didn't even know it because again, you know, the scent's going that way. He can't smell them. But if you have some type of angle where that coyote is going to try to go down, you know, come in downwind, I need a whiteboard. Behind so I can yeah. <laughs> then you're seeing where that coyote circling. And what you need to do then is make sure you have a, perfect shooting alley before he can get to the downwind spot that you shoot him on either side. And, you know, maybe if you've got an electronic collar, you set it out there, you can put some scent out there, you can put a decoy out there. All those things will help pause him as he's coming through there. Or right before he gets there, th- this is free. You just bark like a coyote and you can stop him. Almost all, you know, sometimes if they're going faster, you might have to bark a couple times if they're coming around you. But uh, if they're just kind of, sneaking in, looking around the country, you know, one bark will stop them. You need to be on them when they stop. You need to be, you know, slow. As they're moving, you slowly move. Mm-hmm. They stop, don't move. As they're moving, slowly move. So, uh, and then you always want to set up where there's coyotes. And this is something I think people miss a lot is they just get out and go anywhere. But you got to just kind of think like a coyote. And it's real simple thinking. And do it. You don't have to be an Einstein here. But – Think food and think shelter. And in the morning, those coyotes typically are leaving a food or hunting source going to refuge or shelter. So at night, they're doing the opposite. And you just want to set up in between, be in that travel corridor in between. So they're coming toward that. Because if you set up near, uh, say, a highway or something where they're leaving, they don't want to be near a highway at daybreak it's going to be hard to call them back that way. If they're on the move the opposite way, it's, you know, it's just like elk. If an elk has come through one area, he doesn't necessarily want to turn around and go right back. Mm-hmm. You want to pull them to where they're going, where they want to be, where they feel safe to be. So you just kind of think that as you look over, get a high spot, uh, the coyotes are going to be down in this creek bottom. I this out West here and in the uh, great plains where I do a, lot, do a lot of hunting. I always look for those creek bottoms because they're down there looking for bunnies. And then they come up out of there at daybreak, trying to get up into the higher hills to bed up for the day, kind of escape. I like to be in the higher hills at daybreak waiting for them and and calling them to a place they feel confident going to. Okay. Okay. So we're talking about some of the, I guess you could call them like just kind of the basic things to think about, just base things. When it comes to this, what do you feel like you've probably seen in terms of the biggest mistakes that a lot of 
hunters make when they're coyote hunting? Uh, I think especially in this podcast, you know, we're, we're doing it in February. Mm-hmm. I think what a lot of people do this time of the year wrong is they use calls that they did a month or two ago. Coyotes in most areas are getting hunted now fairly well. There's a lot of contests out there. They're just, they're cruising through country, calling as fast as they can. And half the time, that's just a percentage I'm throwing off the top of my head, but they're educating coyotes because they're not waiting. They're trying to get the quick, easy coyote, throw in the back of the truck, move. Quick, easy. Well, a lot of those coyotes will come in and watch and see what's going on. Then they see those guys walk off and uh, just uh, one of the, uh, like two or three sets ago, I was out and I had coyote blow me. My dog was kind of working it a little bit. Uh, and it stayed out there at about 400 yards. And I should, honestly, I should take a shot, but I figured the coyote was going to work the dog. It just, it was a lone coyote breeding season is kind of going on now. And then out of the blue, two guys walk over the hill. I was on public land. These guys drove in on private. Uh, I, I hunt borders a lot. I love to hunt those border fences. Yeah. And these two guys were on private and in open country, just walking along on the skyline. Oh my gosh. You, that coyote, you think, you know, that they just had an M1 Abrams tank chasing it. It took off so fast. Jeez. So, uh, so that's a, try something different. Try a different call. This time of year, vocalizations work. You don't have to get fancy, just a couple of lone howls and sit down there. And then the other thing is wait a long time. These, again, the coyotes right now are educated. And uh, I sit, again, in, I'm in open country, but I sit an hour typically an hour, never less than 45 minutes. Uh, and I kill a lot of coyotes. I don't kill a lot of them personally, but when I kill coyotes, a lot of them are at the 30 minute mark Okay. or beyond. I very rarely kill a coyote at the five, 10, 15 minute mark, unless I'm hunting early in the fall on year, uh, coyotes of the year pups that will run right in. But again, most of those coyotes have taken a ride in a truck by now, you know, either from callers or deer hunters. Deer hunters shoot a lot of coyotes, you know, yeah. just randomly. They're out in the woods, coyotes walking by, they shoot them. I do the same things. Okay. Okay. When it comes to using an electronic collar or even your hand collar, for those that may not have that, how long are your calling sequences? Are you just letting that thing go the whole time or you, you know, if you're on a hand call, you're just trying to call as much as you can. Or are you doing like, uh, you know, say a certain amount of time that you're doing sequences early, say, say you're hunting in October mm-hmm. and you're hunting a lot of fresh young coyotes. I let that call go a long time, whether it's a electronic caller or a, um, hand call. I try to call not nonstop, but but and give it a minute or two and this time of the year I do more curiosity I'll I'll do a couple of howls and I'll wait 10 15 minutes even just look for a coyote show up from that howl and if nothing comes in then I might go to the prey sound and I'll do it in a lot shorter bursts I just won't you know just I won't hammer it home it'll be like uh I like fawns I like dying fawns uh large critters that are dying in the winter and then I'll just and then let it sit a while and then do it a little more. And then I like to add biting sounds in, bickering. 
coyotes biting each other, nipping each other, yeah. uh, maybe a bark or two, something to show that there's uh, something's dying, there's some excitement over it, there's other coyotes there, and that's a booster, typically a confidence booster. Uh, so I don't do a ton of all that, but again, just kind of setting the stage that there's something going on, coyotes are fighting over it. And then coyotes, again, this time of the year, if they hear that fighting and obviously the food, but even the fighting and the vocalizations, if they don't have a, a partner, they'll come in and look and, you know, possibly find someone to mate to. And then they'll also, the hares will come in to defend their territory. Cause as mating begins or ends, it could be, you know, we're in, I don't even know what the date is. You know, we're into February. They could be done mating. Then they're setting up territories and defending that territory. And and that territory gets more and more protected the closer it gets to pup season. So, you know, a lot of guys uh, don't hunt in March, April, May even. Those are really good months or can be good months for coyote hunting if you're just looking to manage coyotes, you know, knock some coyotes off your property. Uh, anymore, I'm a year-round coyote hunter. I, I go out in the middle of July. I go out in June. I go out now. Uh, when I'm deer hunting, I do a lot of hunting in the Midwest and Great Plains. I take all my coyote gear. If I get a deer down and tagged and I don't have to be on the road uh, somewhere, I just start calling coyotes. That's what I, it's like, why not? Most states allow you to do it mm-hmm. with, uh, with the tag you already have in hand or buying, you know, an additional tag for the cheese. So. Okay. So a lot of these e-callers, you know, they've got your prey in distress, whether it's rabbit, rodents, um, whatever it may be, do you ever go into a calling session where you don't do any kind of coyote vocalizations that let's say you're just running like a, a jackrabbit in distress call the whole time? I, I do a lot of that, especially in the early, early part of the fall. Uh, even in August, September, October, I think that's a really good plan because what you have then is pups leaving the den. They've left mom and dad they're in these sibling packs, mm-hmm. two or three brothers and a sister, vice versa, whatever. And they get real competitive over hunting and they're learning to hunt. So they're eager to run to some, you know, some sound. They're just like, oh, wow, there's dinner. And then you'll have two or three come in and, and running into that. If you use a coyote howl at that time, you could scare those young pups. They're just not, you know, tough enough yet and bold enough. But at the same time, just a little earlier than that, going back into summer, just a little, you know, closer to June and July, even you can do some howling and you can get mom and dad to come in and be really ticked off and get right in your face with that. Because then they're still defending the area before their pups have dispersed. They're defending the den and defending the little pups Mm -hmm. and uh, they don't, they don't want another coyote around. Okay. Now, uh, are you a big decoy guy? You like using decoys a lot? Yeah, I, I really started using decoys, but I've kind of switched to dogs. I've got a dog now that is my coyote decoy. I'm, I'm trying to get someone to sew him a little suit because he's a black and white dog. I'm trying to get him a little coyote suit. <laughs> but, um, this time of year, I tend not to use him quite as much. About sometime in January, they these coyotes, again, at least in my neck of the woods, they get uh, a little leery to everything. So I'd rather have them come in and hunt me. Uh, and, and it 
few weeks ago, I, I drew the line again. I had two coyotes come in. One just popped up, and, and my dog's name is Sully. He's sitting right outside here looking in the window. And Sully uh, was – I told him to lay by me because I knew the coyotes were getting nervous. So I had him laying right beside me, and a coyote popped up. And all I could see was its ears 100 yards away, upwind, which, which just totally blew me away. And uh, he left. That coyote left. And I'm like, gosh, there's no way he saw me or the dog. Uh, maybe saw the dog, but again, he was laying in grass. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, a second coyote popped up at about 100 yards. And Sully stood up then. He, you know, he's defending his ground, but he didn't charge or anything. He just stood up. That coyote world was gone. So, Serious. Uh, and I've had that happen last year, kind of it was about the same time, uh, same timing that they just get, they're just pretty leery, you mm-hmm. know, as they get pursued so much in the winter. In the summer, early like in uh, early January, I called in a pair. That coyote was going head to head with Sully. A lot of times I'll have them; they'll just come in and go right there. But then it's like I said, there's a transition where they've just seen enough and don't want they don't want to deal with anything that looks a little spooky. But in the summer, that it's the greatest show on earth. I mean, when when he goes in and a coyote's coming in, they they face off. And, and you'll hear coyote vocalizations like you've never heard before. They're just screaming at the dog. Wow. And you can, and you can move. You got so much flexibility. Like uh, one set up this ceremony. And I remember the coyote come in off to this side and I had the gun pointed to this side and Sully's going in on the coyote and they faced off probably about 30 yards, 20 yards. A lot of times that's about the distance, 20, 30 yards apart. They stand it and they confront each other. I was able to move my rifle and shooting stick, pick up my backpack, jam it under my elbow. And that coyote never he never even looked at me. Jeez. And, uh, I, I really I don't know. I've always admired these animal damage control officers of use decoy dogs over the years. And uh, and they usually use mountain curs. And I kind of got hooked on border collies. A couple of guys I know had used border collies and then we were looking for a family dog some type of dog that would just you know work right into the family and border collies are just they're so you know they're just uh they're just so smart yes and they pick up on everything he goes he knows when we're going coyote hunting he knows when we're going shit antler hunting he knows when we're gonna go throw the tennis ball or chase the mule out the pasture he just you know he's got everything figured out categorized and uh so the minute we go out coyote hunting, he's he sits up, and before I even howl, you know, he's just focused. But he loses his focus after about twenty or thirty minutes. We don't have a coyote come in, and he's like, uh, "Come on, Mark, we should be doing something." <laughs> What's going on here? Come on now. So, uh, but aside from that, like, do you are there any certain situations that you like to use? Let's say. Uh, They've got those decoys that they've got that they're battery powered that might have like a, a rabbit tail or do you use like a life-size coyote or any others in your arsenal? I've got uh, a motorized one that just works on, you know, double A's that just flips a little furry, you know, tail out yeah. there. I love, I mean, anytime you can distract a coyote, it's just like with, again, with deer, elk, anything, they're coming in to look for something mm-hmm. when you're calling, you know, you're calling a Turkey. It's looking, it wants to see a Turkey. Elk wants to see an elk. A coyote wants to see what it's either going to eat or mate. 
So, uh, so I love those little ones that not constant, but just every, every few seconds it'll flip and a good cheap one, way to do that too. You know, if you're on a budget and can't spend another 50, 80, hundred bucks, whatever. Uh, and, mo- and a lot of times they'll come with collar, right. Attached to it. But, um, it's just to take a stick, uh, just some fishing line, real light line and tie a big turkey feather to it a- or any type of puffy feather that will flicker in the wind those coyotes don't miss anything that's why i said earlier and and this is something if you're new to coyote hunting write a note here when they're coming in and you're gonna have to adjust almost always because you know they're fast they're they they rarely just walk in they're usually kind of on a little bit of a lope and 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 they're looking when they're moving you can get away with a slow movement when their head goes behind a bush or they go into a little gully before they pop out, make your big moves then. But if they're stopped and looking, don't move is, is they'll see it. And then again, if they're, they're a young coyote, they may stay there, but if they've got any education, they're gone. gone. And then you've got a running shot instead of a you know, standing shot. Okay. Do you like to do any kind of coyote hunting at night? Have you found any really good success doing that? I haven't, but I'm, <laughs> I'm starting to think more and more because everybody else is doing it. And it's, it's taking the coyote hunting education for the coyotes. They're figuring this out too. You know, it's, uh, there's a lot of pressure on coyotes these days. I'll tell you another thing people don't realize. And last week we got dumped on the snow over a foot, foot and a half snow more, depending on where you're at. And it was fluffy. And I knew right away it's going to, that just knocks those coyotes travel patterns out the door. They, 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 they burn too many calories busting through that snow, but it also helps the, um, the aerial gunners. We've got a lot of that that goes on here. In fact, they've got a, they've got a, in our County, a guy goes out and flies and I was sitting in my office last week, cussing them and you know, not it's their job, but it's like they were, I could hear them flying in the helicopter. It's like, well, I would, I guess I'd fly too. you know, deep snow coyotes aren't going to be able to go anywhere. Uh, it's a good day to get out and not coyotes out, but then it's also coyotes. I want to go call. True. That's so, true. You know, you got, so you got to be careful. You're, you'd be conscious of, uh, you know, not only how much, how many of your friends are out coyote hunting, how many other people are out coyote hunting. Uh, there may be, uh, an organization out there doing that on the behalf of the livestock association or the county or whoever. And, uh, and so you might go into an area and it's like, God, there's no coyotes here. I'm calling, calling, calling. And then, and I've had this happen a lot. You know, run up, ran into a ranch and goes, oh yeah, they just flew this area last week. They took out 42 out of this, you know, two mile section. It's like, well, that makes sense. You know? Yeah, well, absolutely. We didn't get any coyotes. Yeah. I mean, I, I deal with that in Texas, like on our property, we just have a small 200 acre piece, which, uh, some people that are not in Texas, they might hear it like, oh man, that's a big piece, but Texas, it's, it's pretty small. Uh, and there's a ranch behind us that they'll fly for pigs and coyotes. And when I hear that, I'm like, well, I'm not going to see anything for a while now. So it is what it is, but I get it. Um, so we, we, we've talked discussing the why we've talked about what you need and we've kind of gone down some rabbit holes with some different hows, if you will. So, what kind of, and I'm trying, I'm, I'm going to try and pull something out of you and pick something out of you, but do you have any kind of coyote hunting golden nuggets, if you will, that you don't share a whole bunch that they're only going to get right here on the podcast? 
you know, if, uh, one of the, if I had to use just any call, I would still just go to a straight how. If I, if I, if I'm testing country, cause A, those coyotes will respond to you in most situations, dawn and dusk, not mm-hmm. in the middle of the day. Certain areas, coyotes don't vocalize during the middle of the day. They just won't. I, and I, I know that you probably have seen that too. Uh, but a lot of these Western areas, they do, they talk all day long. I can get them to talk. So, uh, vocalizations, dawn and dusk, that tells you, can help tell you if there's coyotes around and if you're on a setup, it can bring a coyote in. That's a super easy one. And then I think people should try hunting more with a downwind, with the wind going, you know, over their back into a downwind because those coyotes are going to circle. Any smart coyote will circle. There's always exceptions to the rules. Just like I said, I like that one I told you, I was laying down and those coyotes come upwind the other day. No way did I think they would. I was on a chunk of public ground that always gets hunting pressure. But um, in fact, I was just using coyote vocalizations there, period, nothing else. And uh, and maybe that's why they had confidence to come upwind. But, um, uh, but I think that downwind angle, if you can get shooting lanes that are coming over your uh, back, the wind's coming over your back, and you can see plenty of country out there, and there's plenty of country off to the sides where the coyotes can come from, because you're going to ruin that angle for 400, 500, 600 yards, depending on the wind, you know, and uh, topography, all that, your, your scent's going to go down there and ruin that. But if you snuck in, you got big, big country on either side of you, river bottom, creek bottom, those coyotes will come up and they're coming around. Uh, I, I think that's something people should look into. Uh, an old time coyote hunter told me that back in like the late eighties, early nineties. Mm. And uh, I've used it from time to time. Cause you get to a spot and the wind will be wrong and it'll be just like, heck with it. I'm just going to do that. And more and more, I'm almost, I, I where I live here in the foothills, two of the mountains, the wind shifts four or five times in a half hour at at dawn. It's just a constant. And so I've just, I, it's like, I want to go hunt and I can't, you know, it's just the way the wind is, unless it's a real hard front. Mm -hmm. It seems like if it's like a five mile an hour wind and you'll say it's out of the West, it'll be out of the North, the West, East and South in the first 30 minutes as dawn's breaking. And that's when I like to hunt, like to be out there. Okay. And, and, I, and I kill way more coyotes, but I hunt way more in the morning than afternoon. I don't think that's really, that's just the mark. Mm. So I'm, like I said, I'm a morning guy. Same, same here. So when, uh, let, let's talk pre-hunt. I know we, we kind of covered a little bit. You like to look for creek bottoms. Uh, but when you're sitting at your desktop or, you know, sitting down on the couch and you're just doing some e-scouting, got hunt stand pulled up, are there other topographical features anything else you're looking at besides those creek bottoms when you're trying to locate coyotes well here, here's a hunt stand nugget that you're, i i look and i live in the west 50 percent of wyoming is publicly owned uh i hunt next door in montana a lot because i i mean i literally live right on the border i like to look for big uh landowners that don't allow hunting and uh and I, and I hunt their borders all the time because of what you can call a coyote across the fence. <laughs> you can't always That's true. call a deer across the fence, but a coyote, 
you know, he's going to come he, and he's not going to think twice about coming across that, that border. Sometimes elk, it's hard to get him sometimes across the border like that, but a coyote, he's, he's just thinking with his stomach, he's going to cross a lot of times or with uh, his uh, genitalia if it's that time of the year, but uh, borders, big, big ranches don't allow hunting, small ranches that don't allow hunting, landowners that don't allow hunting, you know, and that's getting common coast to coast. It's not, that's just not a, mm-hmm. my backyard thing. Everybody knows that it's harder to get on land. But with coyote hunting, just look for a public land or if you've knocked on a door and Bob lets you on here, you know, and you know the next landowner doesn't, hunt those borders as much as possible. And then use your hunt stand app to look for the right open country, the right elevation, uh, the right, uh, again, a river, a creek, some type of topography that could cause coyotes to be there more. But um, I, I hunt a ton of borders. That's that's kind of if I if I got a section like you know it's common for uh, there to be school sections all across America state or state trust lands they mm-hmm. call them school sections 640 acres just like you said 200 acres not much to hunt 640 acres for a coyote you can call the whole thing you know most times unless it's a real uh, real rugged or real uh, heavily wooded country you can call one corner or the other from sitting there but I'll go to the farthest corner and get up against the landowner there. And if he's got, here's another nugget, especially this time of year, livestock. If there's livestock being fed there, and uh, especially if they're pre-staging for calving mm-hmm. season. And once calving season starts, every coyote in the country zooms in on where they're calving. So you'll have coyotes traveling miles just to get to those calving areas because it's free food. And it's not the baby calves. They're just eating after. And uh, and the, later on, they'll eat the calf uh, droppings. So they can get a lot of protein out of that, the real milky, rich droppings. So gotcha. orders, livestock, and uh, anybody who had the avian flu with chickens and is piling them up in their backyard. <laughs> That's not a bad one to think about. Didn't think about that. And, and bait, bait piles is a yeah. good thing too. I, if, it's hard to get it, it's hard to get wild game bait because of all the laws. Mm-hmm. You know, like road kills, picking them up and stuff like that. If you can do it, but if you got a neighbor and he's got dead cow or something, and he'll drag it over to a spot where you can set it up and call and set up and call near it, or even better yet, uh, my buddy's doing this right now in Kansas. Uh, big shout out to you, Greg. He's got a, he's got two or three cows piled up right now, and he just got it set up so he can come over a hill with a round bale and shoot the coyotes off the bait pile. So uh, that's that's a way to keep coyotes in the area, the area active with coyotes, and you can use it not only as a calling site, but just uh, put a pop up line there, get in, in the dark, and wait till daylight. Or if you're a night hunter, you know your thermal imaging. Whew. Katie bar the door. You can stack them up pretty good there. And yes. a suppressor. Have a suppressor on your rifle. If, uh, if you're going to do that, it'll help you get those repeat shots. Heck yeah. Well, Mark, I, I know we're running out of time here. So any final parting advice or any last nuggets you want to give the listeners out there? Uh, you know, the, the days of coyotes just running you over. It's not necessarily past, mm-hmm. but coyotes are getting a lot smarter. So you, you've got to hunt a little harder. You know, it's just like in the 60s and 70s, you could blow on a tube and a bull elk could just 
you know, run right out of the woods. Yeah. That doesn't happen early anymore. And coyotes are kind of getting that way too. They're getting a little savvier and cagier. So, you know, mix up your calls, sit a little longer, really, really study your setup area. So any coyote that does come in can't escape. You know, you're going to, you're going to at least see them if not get the shot. And, uh, and then, uh, hopefully you'll get a coyote coming to your calls. It's, it's not an, some areas it's an everyday deal. Some areas it's not. Mm-hmm. I mean, I follow a lot of guys on Facebook. I know some guys are, they can go out and slam a car door and a coyote will come to it. That, that's not exactly uh, what happens in my backyard. Yeah. But if I go out and kill a coyote a weekend, I'm having a pretty good time. Can't complain <laughs> about that. Well, Mark, man, I really appreciate you hopping on the Hunt Stand podcast with me again. Let the listeners know real quick where they can find you on social media. You got a website, anything else out there? Uh, they can click on my social media, markkaiser.com and Kaiser is K A Y S E R, not the world war two kind of Kaiser, yes. or world war one. And, uh, I'm on Instagram, Kaiser Mark, Facebook. I got a public page. Uh, you can get on that anytime. Uh, YouTube. I got a bunch of videos you can look at. You can look at some of my videos here on hunt stand as well. And we just knocked out a new one. So, yep. uh, uh, there's a lot of places, but you know, definitely if, if reach out to me on any of those platforms, I, I try to uh, keep up with them, especially Instagram and Facebook and, and my email on my website. I, if you have a question, I'm more than happy to help you out. Sweet. Well, Mark, I appreciate your time again today and talking coyote hunt with me. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, Will. I appreciate it. All right, y'all. There you go. Hopefully if you've never done coyote hunting before or chase after predators in general, you'll be able to take a little bit of what Mark has told you today to get started and just start chasing after these bookers. And if you've been doing this for a while, hopefully you've picked up on something as well. So we just want to thank y'all for tuning in to the Hunt Stand podcast and we'll see you on the next one.